Welcome to Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that inspire you to get your story told. Be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com, and while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. Now sit back, get ready to take some notes, and let's get started. This episode of Leap Into Your Story podcast is brought to you by Leap Into Your Story course. Visit leapintoyourstory.com where you have a guide to get your story told. I'm Victoria Anderson, host of Leap Into Your Story uh, podcast. Uh, certainly, this is where you're going to get some good information on how to start your own journey. We'll help you process, help you through the process. Um, have you meet great guests that will hopefully inspire you to leap into your own story. So visit my website at leapintoyourstory.com. And while you're there, like and share any um, uh, through your favorite social media to multiple platforms and get our message heard. So today, my guest is Catalina Claussen, an award-winning author, Southwestern storyteller, young adult novelist, poet, and short story author as well. Uh, she was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and, but now is a current uh, longtime resident of Mimbris Valley, New Mexico. So tell us um, a little bit about yourself, and then we will jump into our episode discussion, which is on the trail of the southwestern, pardon me, southwest New Mexican writer. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. It's so wonderful to be able to share my writing and, and to be able to talk shop with a fellow writer. So I really appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Um, I, uh, I started writing in 2007. Um, and I was inspired um, because for me in, in the Mimbrace Valley, the land feels so alive. And the people are so closely connected to the seasons and the terrain. Um, and uh, so it all clicked together for me. Um, I'm a, I was a high school English teacher at that time, and I was raising my own family. Um, and I wanted to write young adult stories that reflected a, a rural landscape because I work with teens in a rural landscape. So. Um, I became fascinated by stories as a young girl. My dad used to tell me stories and I would love how I just get lost in them. Um, I grew up in Canada, as you noted, and I grew up speaking French and English. And my dad's second language is Spanish. So we used to have these wonderful conversations about language and about the origins of words. And it just ignited a passion uh, for language for me. So that's, that's how it all got started. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's talk about um, 
you know, maybe your journey as a writer, you said you were a teacher. Did you, were you, um, did you always have plans? Were you like the, uh, the longing to write as you were a teacher? Did you teach English? Um, how, tell me a little bit about that journey and what, what discoveries did you make about yourself? Um, so for me, I didn't necessarily start out thinking of myself, oh, I'm a writer, mainly because I felt a strong responsibility to, you know, have like a real day job because I was raising kids. <laughs> and as we all know, writing is a beautiful art form that could perhaps supplement your income, but definitely couldn't help you raise two young ones. So, <laughs> so I kind of set that aside in and took up my career. But the whole time I was feeding that passion for language by becoming an English teacher and um, continuing my studies of French. And then I'm now teaching myself Spanish. And so I just kept feeding that fire and feeding that fire. And and then I, I felt so moved by where I was, you know, where I, I do live now in the Membrace Valley. And so finally, you know, I really just got, got pushed over the edge and I thought, okay, this is it. And this story just started to overtake me. You know how, how writers talk about uh, that their characters need to speak and they come to you. So I had that experience. <laughs> wow. That's nice. Now, as you started to write your stories, um, I noticed it just for myself too, is you start, I don't know, self-reflecting when you're, when you're writing about other people, things about yourself start surfacing in your characters. And, um, so I am always curious to find out what have you excavated as an author? And is there, you know, it was, it's very surprising because I know some of the things that came out of me were kind of surprising. And I'm like, yeah, I really, this character doesn't like that. And I thought, you know what? I don't like that either. Um, so <laughs> do you ever have those moments too? <laughs> I do. So um, for me, my characters, uh, the, I do have characters that are very reflective of myself. And um, because, you know, we're always told right from your own experience. Right. But I also have a lot of characters that um, are inspired by people that I actually know, because I like uh, seeing that a character is possible and uh, relatable. And so for me, as you know, in I, I have some of my short stories that are kind of caricatures of people that I actually know. <laughs> and so for people who are very local, like in the Silver City area, they can almost hear themselves in, uh, in some of my radio stories. So that's a lot of fun for them. Um, so it does come from both. It comes both from, you know, an inspiration of, oh, that was my lived experience but also just the beautiful, quirky characters that I get to encounter on a daily basis in this area. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, let me go ahead and get to your uh, next question. Uh, so let's talk about the Young Adult series and what is your draw to that? 
a fair amount of youth culture is focused um, or inspired by the digital and urban world. And I wanted to write stories that reconnect the audience to the mystery and wonder of the natural landscape. And so I wanted to give kids a, a taste of life away from screens and social media. And um, in my first novel, uh, Diamonds at Dusk, the focus, this agenda really comes to the fore because um, I encourage readers to value the natural world through a treasure hunt um, that Cassie, who's our main character in this story, her boy crush gifts her um, a treasure hunt where all the treasures are wonders of the natural world that are on her grandfather's ranch. So, <laughs> so that's a, a lot of my inspiration. You know, I always get interested in the adult, young adult, because probably dating myself, but there wasn't a whole lot of like a, a young adult uh, books out there. You had like the Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys and the big, I think it was a Judy Bloom and the big, ooh, flowers in the attic. Ooh, that was all controversial. And everybody was reading to the naughty scenes, but um you know, they say that the formative years are really important. And I think that that is, you know, I think for a certain level, but it's really the young adult that connects to really like how you see yourself to the world. So as a young adult, that might be formative ones, how you relate to maybe inner family, but the young adult is really where you interact with the world and you try to start to shape, uh, you know, an identity for yourself that's always seemed to be, you know, undervalued. Um, we talk about the turbulence, but certainly the, I think the, the books out there, um, speak at least the newer ones kind of speak to that a little more than they did back in my day <laughs> it's so true <laughs> I mean I, I ask so many of my students well why do you like to read you know what is it about it that inspires you and you know a lot of times because they're going through so much turmoil as they're forming their identities they want to see that that turmoil is also happening in other adolescents and they want to see patterns for navigating that. And they also want to see, well, how is it that that person actually ends up forming their identity or, or solving different problems or urges in their own lives, you know? So, so yeah, that, that is definitely, it must be a hallmark to me of, of for a YA author. It's, it's a really essential part of your writing. You really need to not be afraid to confront things that are uncomfortable because adolescence, let's be real, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> right, right. Because you're trying to weaning yourself from a structure that's instilling a certain direction for you. Not that that's bad, but you know, you really kind of have to carve your own path and that sometimes that's very different from your safety zone and you know venturing out and, and doing that 
And I think the pandemic has just driven the, the need to search for answers and being so isolated. Probably the only way that's going to be done is, you know, through video, through media, whether it be, you know, a social media network or a book. And I know statistically, memoirs have skyrocketed over the last 12 months, which, you know, I have a three set volume. I don't write a memoir. Okay. I write a whole volume set. (laughs) I get touched, uh, (laughs) trial by fire and mastering the paradox. And there's such a need to search for answers. The the social in um, one-on-one or, you know, face-to-face where you search for your answers has been, you know, disrupted. And now there's a, a spark in memoirs or, you know, books that might help solve what you're feeling, thinking, and going through. And it's, it's good, but it's, you know, we want to provide healthy um, material and content for those who might need some help and look for sources such as books to help them navigate whatever situation they're in. I agree. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have a passage. Would you like me to share a passage? Absolutely. That, yes. So that, um, so in diamonds at, at dusk, um, Cassie, let me just get to the right page here. Um, Cassie finds herself with a crush on a childhood friend. So something that happens in a rural setting is that kids are often become friends like in kindergarten and then they just know each other and know each other. And then all of a sudden something shifts. (laughs) And um, so I thought I would share something about that. After grandma's famous green chili chicken enchiladas, I get ready to do my chores. I have to feed and groom cinnamon and bow. It's so wet that I have to dig the mud out of their hooves too. In my ratty jeans, old t-shirt and old boots, I head out. The sharp scent of sage and dirt bites the air. The crickets are back to complaining about the heat. Cinnamon and bow see me coming and whinny hello. They know I've got carrots, so they jockey for position to get the best view. Bo stumbles on Cinnamon's hoof and nuzzles her neck to say sorry. They're so sweet with each other, and they look especially sweet with the bouquet of blue, red, yellow, orange, and white flowers bordering their stall. I sneak under the wooden fence and hide the carrots behind my back. They both come and sniff for it. They know where they are, but they love to play this little game. Cinnamon moves to snatch it, but then thinks better of it. I open my palm and offer it to her. Then I give one to Bo. Cinnamon takes a satisfying bite out of hers, letting the bits fall to the ground, while Bo, always the gentleman, breaks it into pieces and nibbles it from my palm. I pat them both on the soft spots above their eyes. Cinnamon nudges back so hard she practically tackles me. I love you too, girl. I dole out a flake of alfalfa for each of them in separate corners of the corral. As Cinnamon eats, I groom the dried mud off her. I have to start with her. She gets jealous if you work on both first. 
The metal curry comb frees the clumps from her hide. She twitches with pleasure. Hey, Cassie, Chad says. His voice makes me jump a mile. All through dinner, I couldn't get him out of my mind. I played and replayed how he looked after our race. I kept wondering what he was about to say before my best friend Aji came. And I wonder what they did after I left. For the first time, I feel nervous around him, like everything I do or say determines something big. He looks like he's been standing there a while. Need some help? I look up at him in double disbelief. I can't believe he's here, and why would I need his help? Bo and Cinnamon are my life. I mean, I can take care of Bo while I'm here, he says. Uh, yeah, sure, there's another comb in, the, in his stall, I say, vaguely pointing in the right direction. I hide behind Cinnamon's sleek body and pray for a normal pulse rate. Then I pray even harder for the red rising in my cheeks to quit. Why does he have to look so beautiful? It's distracting. I can't get out a simple sentence without feeling like I have to steady my voice. He comes back with the comb, and instead of going straight for Bo, he stops and grooms Cinnamon's other side. Her skin tingles and quakes beneath both of our combs, like it might be a little too much attention. I know how she feels. We go on brushing her with this weird but good weird silence between us. I have to think of something to say. The sun is going down, casting this golden glow over the whole place. My birthday is next week, I say. Are you gonna be around? I hope that sounded casual and not like I'd die if he didn't show, cause for some reason that's how I feel. I focus on finishing cinnamon, the seconds drag and drag some more. And then it happens. I reach for the top of her tail and he does too. For a brief moment, we touch hands. This jolt of electricity races through my fingers. I pull back, hoping against hope that I wasn't too quick. Then because praying for me to shake the jitterbugs isn't working, I open my palm and rest it flat against cinnamon. She has this way of soothing me through anything. Yeah, I'll be there. Dad says we don't have to leave for at least a week. This year, school starts later. No way. Seriously? Seriously? I pop my head up and rest my chin on Cinnamon's back. I know I have a stupid grin on my face because I can never contain myself. Yes, Cassie, I'll be here. Then he seals the deal with the cutest smile ever. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> There's something awesome about hearing the story in the author's voice. I really like that. Thank you. That Thank was you. fantastic. So now let's talk about um, maybe some of the do's and don'ts of writing for young adults. So I, I would say... One of the main ones is to throw your reader into the action. Don't be afraid of doing that. Okay. Um, so just jump right into your story. You don't need to clear your throat or introduce a bunch of stuff because nobody cares right away. They, you just have to grab their interest and run. <laughs> um, and you also need to infuse your stories with detail. Let the setting come alive. Let the characters come alive. That's what rivets a reader. Um, keep your readers guessing. 
try not to um, go down a really predictable path. If you find yourself, you know, going for the most predictable outcome, switch it up, see what happens. A lot of times you'll surprise yourself in that, in that journey um, of writing. And, um, and as we talked about before, Victoria, don't hold back in this. Well, of course, within reason for a YA audience, but um, (laughs) (laughs) no flowers in the attic stuff, but if you have to go there, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Um, but I, you know, as we talked about, you know, our youth, they, they're reading because they want to know that um, complexity of the human experience. They want to be able to be right there in the action and, you know, and feel it all. So, so really get in there, get into the mind of your character, get into the body of your character and provide those details so that they can feel present and part of your story. Um, one of my favorite things as a reader is I kind of, I, I befriend the characters, you know? <laughs> and so I get sad when a story ends because I'm like, oh, but my friends, you know? <laughs> so I, I want to give that feeling to readers as well. Wow. That's what you call a series. Yeah. <laughs> the series generally fixes that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. So, well, let's talk about, um, you know, what are some of the three key things that you think would help writers, um, you know, start their own journey and specifically with young adult uh, books and stories? Well, when I first started writing, one of the things that I used to obsess about, because I'm an English teacher and I would teach like, you know, how to write a research paper. (laughs) Um, One of the things I obsessed about is outline, right? Oh, you have to have an outline. You have to know where where you're starting, where you're going and all the steps in between. And, um, and so this worried me for a long time. And it's, it started to be a barrier to actually writing. And so what I've found over the years, um, and I've, I've now just released my third novel, is that you just have to let a story evolve, right? Don't worry about that outline. Um, so let it, let it come together. Let that inspiration be in the moment. It helps you be most present with your story and your characters. Um, and so it, it, it's more playful as well. Most writers write because they want to know the end of the story. You know, <laughs> I've seen so many authors say that in interviews and it just really calmed me down. I thought, okay, if Garrison Keillor thinks that way and so does Stephen King, then I can do it too. <laughs> um, I would say also that the beauty is in the details. Um, so become an observer, you know, really think about your settings, your characters, as I mentioned before, um, and, and try to impart that human experience through your characters and make that story, that setting ring true to people. Um, so, you know, setting is very, very important in a story as well. Um, and then the last thing I would say, say is to either form or join a writer's group. And the reason why is because uh, I think many of us are procrastinators. (laughs) 
And what I found is that I have a, a writer's group that I meet with weekly on Sundays at four. That's our thing. And having that scheduled date and time, it's like, it's like an, having an assignment with a deadline and I have to write something for them. The teacher would know all about that, huh? Yes. And it has, uh, you know, it has pushed me and pushed me because for a while I would say, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't really know what's next. But knowing that I had my fellow writers to write for and I had to do something, it would push me just to write, get something on a page. And um, so I, that's been a really valuable process. It has also helped me to uh, understand other people's writing styles and their writing styles have informed my own practice as well. Um, so to me, it's just this exciting, continuous process of discovery. And so I really, I really love that. Oh, and don't make your writing group too big because otherwise you're going to get overwhelmed with too many stories. I would say five people and and under. <laughs> okay. So I was just going to ask you, you know, what is what is a recommended number? Um, yeah, I, I would say I, five or less. You okay. know, because it's too much when you have when because I'm close reading my uh, my fellow writers' work, and that takes a lot of time. Um, so even if it is just five pages, I'm correcting grammar, I'm thinking about storyline and, you know, there's so many facets to it that it takes me a long time just to read a short piece. So, yeah, because well, you're, you're focused and you're yes. looking, you're not just reading the story, you're looking for errors, maybe improvements. Yeah. Um, I always joke about my, myself it takes me about two years to write a book and 10 years to edit it because <laughs> so true. I'm beginning to kind of feel that way with video editing too. Cause I was like, <laughs> darn it. Maybe I could just snip this. So yeah, it's been quite the journey, but yeah, sometimes it's, I think what I'm, and, and after you've done it so much, you, you do hit a better learning curve. And sometimes I'm okay with leaving a typo in there. You know, yeah. Just let it be. it's usually not a deal breaker. And if somebody's going to comment about that, I go read somebody else's book. Darn it. I, you know, <laughs> you missed the whole point. <laughs> oh yeah. I have no patience for nitpicking. You know, critique is okay because I've used uh, my, a lot the critique I did have, I sent that out. I didn't have the opportunity to do the other books because I decided to shoot them out both and they're, they'll be out pretty soon. But yeah, I did a, a, a test run and took the feedback from that and then incorporated in the other two books and then, and also the next three coming books. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes time. helpful, you know, consistency making sure because I tend to, well, if I'm doing fiction, for the most part, I kind of like to know where the end is, but then I like on my, on my uh, current book, I have the ending, but I changed the route, how it got there. And so I'm like, ha, that's interesting. I took, and it, like you said, it evolved. I had kind of an outline. I knew where it was going because you kind of, want to have some sort of structure but yeah I took it 
was like, doo, 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 doo. whoa, we're going four wheeling now. So- <laughs> I know. And that's the adventure as, as a writer. And then it, all, that adventure really comes through on the page as well. So the reader is not lulled into, you know, yeah. the predictable path. Instead, they're following, they're right there with you going through those twists and turns. So I think that's great fun. Yeah, I think writing's magical. I, 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 I do too. There's something about it. And actually, in one of my interviews, uh, we were talking about, because I'm, I'm very strong left brain and right brain. And one of the other uh, authors, actually, a couple of the other authors talk about writing is activates the creative, you know, the this side of the brain. Editing activates the logical side. So you are really both sided when you are writing. And I think the stimulation just makes you connect better to yourself, to your world. I mean, like everybody's when I'm writing, everybody's happy around me too. <laughs> like the the neighbor, the male person, the animals. Yeah. Is it that old phrase? If Big Mama's happy, everybody else is happy. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So yeah, so it, it just kind of creates this ripple effect. Yeah. Even my husband will be like, You've been writing. I'm like, Can you tell? Can you tell? Now, editing makes me a little more, I mean, it'll still give me a little of the magic, but usually when I'm fully engulfed into the storyline of the characters, there's something that beams off me that just creates a whole little happy universe around me, too. <laughs> yeah. May I share with you another um, another passage? This one's a little bit shorter, but... Sure. Yes. Um, this is the sequel to Diamonds at Dusk right here. This is Diamonds okay. at Dawn. And um, Diamonds at Dusk uh, is focused on Cassie. Um, and her this is her best friend, Aji. She's Navajo. Okay. And so one of the ways that my writer's group inspired this story is my writer's group also contains a poet. And I started thinking about how it is that we can uh, use poetry in fiction um, and, okay. and gain a whole other dimension on a character. Nice. So in this story, um, Aji, she's turning 18 and her uh, mother has passed away when she was nine years old. She, through her poetry, she grieves her mother's death and through the prose, that's the current action. So I thought what I might do to show you about this character is to read you one of her poems. Yes, please. The night Amma died, I was caught up in her arms, my back curled against her, matching my breath to the subtle rise and fall of her chest, dreaming of how her nimble fingers wove lightning quick fishtail braids in the early morning before school. How she used to try on skirts and say, how do I look? Before tending to the lambs. Of how she'd warm the house before Siche and I woke. Before. That was before she lost the ability to feel and her limbs curled. That was before her copper skin turned yellow, especially in her palms. That was before. I knew in my bones that she was gone. The house turned cold, my hair tangled and the lambs cried. That was before she became Kai Todlina, rest in peace. 
Wow. That's beautiful. Sad, incredibly sad, sad but incredibly beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your uh, great tips and short storylines and uh, books as well. So let's uh, talk about how we can get more information about you, your website, you know, any groups. Um, where where can we find your books? Okay. So my publisher is Progressive Rising Phoenix Press. And they have a very long website name, which is ProgressiveRisingPhoenixPress.com. But all of my books are also available on the major distributors' uh, websites. Um, I also have my own website, and that is www.CatalinaClausenBooks.wordpress.com. So that's also a long, <laughs> a long website. Um, and there are links on my website to my publisher's website as well. So you can access um, that way. And then some people, they just reach out to me on Facebook and they say, hey, I would love to have a signed copy. And so I can also do it that way. If you would like a signed copy, you can reach out to me on Facebook and we'll take care of it. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. Catalina, um, for spending this time and sharing your great wisdom. I do want to thank everybody for tuning into Leap Into Your Story show, where you discover your inner story, work through the process, and meet others who've done it. Uh, this way, you can be guided through your own leaping into your own story. So remember to visit my website at leapintoyourstory.com. And while you're there, like and subscribe and share via your favorite network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time here on Leap Into Your Story show. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. Remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like to us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time on the Leap Into Your Story podcast.